Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live and Penn State Health. Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith here for the first time in a couple weeks. Uh, Bob had the audacity to, to step away and go on vacation. Yeah. So we're back. We're recapping the news of the week. It's good timing for you to come back, Bob, because I planned it that way. I did. I, and, and I don't think it's coincidence at all. Yeah. We're sitting here. Full disclosure. It's Friday. One more announcement is expected. You may or may not have heard that announcement by the time you listen to this. Um, but Penn State looking to go three for three this week. London Montgomery, who we'll talk about momentarily. Tony Rojas, who we'll also talk about. And on Friday evening, Tamir Robinson looks like he should and could be the third domino to fall. He's a really interesting player, Bob, from Brashear High School in Pittsburgh. 615, he'll be announcing Penn State is the, is the heavy favorite to land him over Virginia Tech and Miami. 6'4", 220 pounds right now. Looks like he could still bulk up a little bit. Uh, I view him as kind of a Swiss Army knife at linebacker. You saw they used Jesse Lucetta last year. He looks like somebody who could do something similar for them. Yeah, and I, I, I refer to this, by the way, I, I've come up with a term that I've coined if they get if they get this guy, a hat trick. I, no one's ever used it, but if Penn State goes three for three, I'm going to say it's a, it's a natural hat trick for Penn State. But the body type, you're right, Dustin. 6'4", 220, he will get a little bit bigger, but when I hear the, the, you know, the, the height and the weight, I think of Brandon Smith just in terms of, I think Brandon was about 225, maybe a little bit more when he got to, uh, to Penn State, I'm part of 2019 class. And, you know, Penn State really used Brandon in, in a lot of different ways. They moved him around. They took advantage of his speed. He was, the, he was the field linebacker. Then they moved him into the box when he got a little bit bigger. And I'm sure Penn State envisions, you know, with these, with these athletes, provided they go two for two with the linebackers, can really play multiple positions uh, on the defense. The, the linebacker position is definitely evolving. Uh, not only in college football and pro football, just about a- every level of football. Um, if you want to stay on the field uh, for more than two downs, you have to be able to run. You have to be able to cover. And hopefully you can impact the game as a blitzer or a disruptive player. It sounds like that's what Penn State is after. It's interesting to note that Virginia Tech is uh, a finalist for this kid. So I want, I think I think old Brent Pry is going to come out on the short end. Hopefully I didn't just mush Penn State, but... It has been a really, really good uh, week for Penn State uh, recruiting. And I think that all signs point to this kid committing. And it really, really sets them up at linebacker for future years. Because this year, you know, we've talked about it, Dustin, on, on podcasts before this one. You know, other than Curtis Jacobs, there's just a lot of question marks. They, they, they're moving people around. They're breaking in new guys. We're not sure who's going to be, who's, who's exactly going to start. So... I think they needed to kind of really build up that depth. And I'll be curious to see, you know, in a couple of years from now, what Penn State looks like in terms of linebacker usage. 
to whatever extent the youth movement begins is, is what I'll be watching. And, and to a certain extent, you know, assuming Kobe King is the guy at, at inside linebacker, you know, it's sort of going to gonna begin. And you could see one of those three guys who sign, one of the three Philadelphia guys uh, play. And I think, you know, you talked about Brandon Smith before him. Cam Brown was that kind of long physical linebacker. Abdul Carter looks like he could be that long physical linebacker in the tw- in the 2022 class, and then Tamir Robinson comes along and looks kind of and, and you know really the way you described it, um, his his ability to play multiple positions, his ability from what it looks like to be able to play three downs because he can run, he can cover, he can make plays with the ball in the air. Uh, he's a really interesting guy and a talented player who fits right in with, with what they've looked for uh, for a long time. Yeah, I think with five guys so far, I mean, Penn State, you know, assuming Tamir Robinson uh, commits two guys in this class, three in 2022, five guys so far in these two cycles, maybe more. We'll see um, there. You can definitely see what's happening here. They, they need young talent. They need depth and they're going after it. I hate to, to boil it down to one thing, but the way that Ohio State is recruiting, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that's clearly Ohio State's priority in my book. They're smart to do it that way. The way that they're recruiting, Dustin, you better have everybody on your defense uh, has to be able to move. When you talk about their running backs, their, their wideouts, their tight ends, their quarterbacks are going to be, you know, more often than not, they're going to be mobile. The, the, the quarterback they have now that might win the Heisman isn't the most mobile guy, but they've had some mobile quarterbacks over the years. They have to get as athletic as possible on defense to have a chance against Ohio State. And I thought, I, I mean, I think Ohio State is dictating the way, in a lot of ways, that that Penn State is recruiting on defense. And you know what's interesting, Bob? And and if if you're Penn State, you should be gearing up to try to compete with Ohio State because if you're there, you're probably in in the running for the other stuff that you want too: Big Ten title, college football playoff. But it's like Michigan comes along and they're like the anti Ohio State. <laughs> You know, if everybody on your defense is is a little on the light side or or can run, then Michigan comes out and and these, you see these other teams. Wisconsin did it, and Illinois ran out there with fifteen offensive linemen. It felt like at times, like you know, then then you're the, these kind of contrasting styles can give you problems. But I do feel like you know, to me, Robinson just because he can run and cover doesn't mean he's a liability in the run game either. Uh, same with Brandon Smith. Yeah. And honestly, I think the Michigan thing is more about the stubbornness of Jim Harbaugh than anything. I mean, eventually, I think they're going to have a coach come in there that says, hey, man, we we might want to recruit to try and stay on the field with that school that is our arch, arch nemesis. He got it right last year, but I don't know how many years Michigan's going to get it right with that approach against Ohio State. Frankly, I don't know. Like, if you're a wide receiver or a quarterback, I really don't know why Michigan would be the pick over some of the other schools. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, I think that it can be painful to watch them play offense. It really, it really can. And I know that. I know that. I'm sure Jim likes it when they're able to control the clock and, and try and win, try and win games twenty four seventeen. But I think you're kidding yourself if you can't score. James Franklin's right about one thing. When he when he hired Yersich, you have to score in the 30s. You know, you have to be able to consistently score in the 30s to be in every game. And if you if you can't do that, you're going to have a couple losses on your schedule. You're not going to be really be in the in the championship hunt. And uh, Penn State has not gotten there yet, Dustin, uh, consistently scoring in the 30s. But at least I think James recognizes it. I'm not sure that Jim Harbaugh recognizes that. 
No, I, th- I do think he likes to think that, you know, with, with an iron, with an iron will and that three yards in a cloud of dust approach in the fourth quarter, they'll be, and you know, you, like you said, last year they got it right. And they, they were that team that was able to win games late because they, they wore you down. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, same conversation really, but different name. Tony Rojas, uh, four star from Virginia. He committed to Penn State on Thursday. He's a top, depending on where you're looking, he's a top five, top 10 linebacker in America. Uh, he's ranked among the top 150 or so, uh, regardless of position by all three recruiting services. Uh, he's a guy, you know, listed right now around 6'2", 205. He's pretty lanky. He's going to have to, um, gain a little bit of weight. Um, I think, but just so quick, capable of making so many plays when he diagnoses and kind of plants that foot and, and makes a decisive move. He closes on ball carriers as fast as anybody I've seen Penn State recruit. Um, so you, you put these two guys together again, assuming Penn State does land Tamir Robinson. And it's like you get two, um, sort of unconventional linebackers. You get one kind of burner, one long rangy guy who was once upon a time a safety. Uh, and I think it's not a coincidence that these are the two types of linebackers that they're getting in this class. Yeah. And I think this is, this is Penn state's uh, third or fourth attempt at trying to get this kid, uh, uh, that body type on their defense, Curtis Jacobs, a guy that played wide out in high school. That was also a linebacker clearly was a, you know, a home run and he's, I, I would say he's added some weight since he got to Penn State, but his his foot speed, his ability to diagnose, you know, you saw that in a lot of Penn State games last year. They got it right with him, Lance Dixon. They, I think, I think he was kind of maybe one of the original body types that they were hoping they could hit on, and everyone thought he came in. I think he came in with Brandon Smith, and some people thought he was going to be make even an even bigger impact than Brandon did. It just didn't work out. He transferred to West Virginia, I believe, but your point is 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 on, Dustin. The, this is what they're looking for, and I think when you see future recruiting classes, I mean this is this is the body type. This is what they're. These are the two. These are the players they're going to target. They're going to hope to be right on multiple linebackers every year. Uh, they weren't in 2019, but boy, they got it right with Curtis Jacobs. And if they can get these two up in state college, it, it just really bodes well for their defense. In terms of fit, we talked about the 22 guys from Philadelphia. I, I would say that all three of those guys who are freshmen now are more on the traditional side of linebackers. So Abdul Carter's 235. Uh, Ken Talley is 235, 240. Those are big dudes. Uh, and, and Keon Wiley is about 220. Uh, you saw him a lot rushing the passer. I think you could see him play more of a, like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's incapable of, of getting out and covering, but. You know, the, the types of guys that they brought in these two classes, uh, it's pretty, it's diverse. And I, I think that's, that's key too. You don't want to bring in all guys who are 200 pounds. You don't want to bring all guys who are 245 either. They've got a pretty good mix in these, these two classes. Yep. I think it's been more of a priority, uh, in the, in the recent classes just because of what they're putting out on the field now. I, the, uh, some of these linebackers might, that are, are currently on the roster might actually turn out to be really, really good players, but they need more of a physical athletic presence at that level than just Curtis Jacobs. And it remains to be seen if they're going to go into the year hypothetically with Curtis, Jonathan Sutherland, who was a former safety and either Kobe King or Tyler Elson, it remains to be seen how effective uh, they will be. I'm just curious if Manny Diaz, maybe this year, you're just going to see a ton of four, two, five sets because maybe that's the goal is to get your 11 best players 
on the field. And I think right now Penn State probably feels a lot better about their safeties and their corners than they do about their linebackers. But maybe in a year or two with this, with, with these recruiting additions, it'll be a different story. Yeah, I think that that's a good point, too, is just managing your personnel to get them in the best position to, uh, to play well. I want to touch on London Montgomery, who committed on Monday, the running back. But also, I, I don't we didn't get a chance to talk about the fact that Penn State lost its quarterback in this class. Marcus Stokes um, last week uh, flipped to Florida. Not a huge surprise, I think, all, all things considered. And you've seen Penn State reach into the south for quarterbacks. And, and to get them across the finish line is tough. But uh, Justin Fields is another one that comes to mind, you know, flipping pretty late to, jo- to Georgia. The way recruiting works at quarterback, this is late in the game, July, for them to be back in the market. And it's like there's like two or three guys in the top 35 in the country still uncommitted. Uh, so Penn State's going to have to either get creative, uh, go after some sort of – emerging prospects uh, or flip somebody. And it's worth mentioning. I've mentioned this a couple other times elsewhere, but Will Levis being a plan B option uh, needs to be said. And Tommy Stevens being a plan B option uh, needs to be said. So Penn State has has done okay in this department, not optimal, but uh, I think you'll see pretty soon what, you know, what the tea leaves are starting to say about what they're trying to do here. I'm glad you brought up Will Levis. I'm glad you brought up Tommy Stevens. Will Levis to me is I just I continue to shake my my head about how Penn State kind of used him when he was here. And I, you know, I just think that quarterbacks are seeing the writing on the wall with James uh and how they use them and how they coach them. I mean, I think Will Levis saw that he was never gonna get, you know, the benefit of the doubt at the quarterback position in a down year. He got a very brief audition in 2020, uh, and then he got – I thought he got a pretty quick hook. I know he didn't play well in the Iowa game, but they just went with Sean the rest of the way, and I think Will was like, hey, why am I going to stay at Penn State and just be the backup or wait for him to get hurt? If you're a young quarterback and you're talented, look what they're doing right now. I mean, I think you have to assess how soon can I play at Penn State, and will Penn State ever go with a first- or second-year quarterback as the starter? I think James values experience. And that's fine, but I, I don't. I I got the feeling I don't know that the most talented kid has always played at Penn State. So again, I think this is a big year for Penn State on the field, and I I just think that people, I think especially quarterbacks, are just starting to take note of of what's going on, you know, on the roster at Penn State when it comes to developing that position. And I know that maybe some people might disagree with me, but I just think that's in play. The loyalty to Sean Clifford has been beyond questioning. And I think when, when Will Levis got that audition, it wasn't really an audition. It was really just a, yeah, watch the game from the sideline. Uh, and, and we'll be bringing you back. You know, Will Levis, the frustration was, you know, obviously he had, he had some growth to do. He still has some growth to do in terms of him being a pure passer and mechanically and stuff like that. Penn State wasn't willing to ride anything out with that growth that he needed a, as a thrower. And he knew that. He recognized that and he moved on. Um, so really what, you know, to bottom line it, the, the loyalty to Sean Clifford cost them Tommy Stevens to Mississippi State, cost them Will Levis uh, to Kentucky. Now it's like in year six – I think you need the big payoff here with with that loyalty to really kind of justify how everything has gone. Um, because if Sean Clifford is is the same guy, maybe you see four good games out of him, or he gets dinged up. If if it's the same story with Sean Clifford, it's going to be a tough pill for a lot of Penn State fans to to swallow, is to see that, and it kind of raises all the questions that you brought up too. 
And you know what? He, he very well may, may, may find another level, but it's just, you know, you said it. I think he turned 24 this month or he's later this month. I, I believe he will turn 24 at some point in July. You just wonder, it hasn't happened yet. Why would it happen? You know, the, the Penn State's laid out all the reasons, you know, instability at offensive coordinator worked against him. And this will be his second year in your system. But, you know, he's also operating with an offensive line that has not really gotten the job done. Um, they have not been able to run the ball consistently, even though they're recruiting really talented running backs to take the pressure off Sean. So I guess you could look at it both ways. But the I, my thing is the quarterback's got to be the best player on your offense. And I just don't know that, that, that that's, that's been the case in 2020 or in, even in 2021. There are some quarterbacks that can elevate these situations, and those are the great ones. And there are some quarterbacks who, who are going to need a, a pretty cozy um, cast of support in, or, in order to, to play their best. And I think Sean Clifford falls under that category. It doesn't doesn't prohibit him from from leading a team that could maybe win a Big Ten title, but like everything else has to go a lot better than it's gone. Certainly, the past two years for him to for him to get there. Yep, and uh, I, like I said, you know, he could he still has some time left, but you know, he I think I think everyone's going to know by the middle of September what you're going to get from Sean. You know, last year he didn't really start that well either. He struggled against a really good Wisconsin defense. It was really Penn State's defense that won that game. He played well, very well against Auburn. You know, even the Iowa game, Dustin, when he got hurt, Penn State was moving the ball, but he turned the ball over. I think he threw a couple of picks, and there was some turnovers, or else Penn State would have romped him. But it's just that's that's the nature of hey, can he, can he play a, a game in which not only does he complete you know sixty five to seventy percent of his passes, but not turn the ball over? That's I think that's what we need to see from Sean Clifford in his final year at Penn State, and if he can't do that. I just don't see, with the losses they've had on their defense, how they're going to do much better than they did last year. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Shifting over to, to running back, uh, London Montgomery commits on Monday. This was another one that Marcus Stokes, the quarterback uh, from Florida, flipped to Florida. And then not long after that, Trayon Webb, who was on Penn State's radar at running back, committed to Florida. It would seem that there's some kind of connection between the two events. Either way, you know, we've talked about the fact that Penn State really had two top targets at running back. London Montgomery from Scranton Prep was the other one. He committed to Penn State on Monday. And if you look at, you know, the success that Penn State has had at the running back position, it has been very much Pennsylvania driven. Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Journey Brown looked to be doing something pretty big before he had his heart condition. Uh, and now Nick Singleton and, and London Montgomery. I think as much as Penn State loves to dabble in the state of Florida to, <laughs> to, to get some of these talented guys, and Noah Kane looked like he was the real deal for a bit. Kevon Lee has had his moments. The Pennsylvania guys at, at running back have really kind of led the way. And, you know, is London Montgomery that next one? I like his game. Plus, he's a Scranton guy. I went to the U. I'm a University of Scranton 
graduate. Uh, so I'm familiar a little bit. It's, it's been a while since I've been up there, but I'm familiar uh, a little bit with the football up there. Um, the you. <laughs> uh, Step aside, Miami. It was, it was, uh, what a place, what a city. Uh, it took a while, but it really grew on me. But they, they've had some, re- they've produced some pretty good football players from the, from the Scranton, uh, Wilkes-Barre area. Hopefully this kid is one of them. But yeah, it is kind of amazing when you look at the history of Penn State, not only under James Franklin, but, you know, you know, John Capaletti, their only Heisman Trophy winner, was a suburban Philadelphia guy. Larry Johnson Jr., I know he was a coach's kid, but he played at, he played at, uh, he played at State College High School. More often than not, when you go down the list of some of the great Penn State running backs, obviously, John Carter wasn't a Pennsylvania kid. Kurt Warner was from West Virginia. But there's been a lot of really, really good in-state players. And um, uh, I, I am very, very encouraged by what I've heard about um, Singleton. So I, you know, I, I feel pretty good about him. But I'm still a little hesitant because in recent years, I, I, you mentioned Miles Sanders. You mentioned uh, Barkley. But they've also missed or some running backs just have not worked out. But they have not been from Pennsylvania. And they have not, Dustin, they have not been from Scranton. So. I can. I'll put all. I'm putting all my support behind this kid because he's a Scranton prep guy, right next door to the U, <laughs> University of Scranton, home of Bob Flounders. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're gonna say, okay, Pennsylvania guys, stay home and you'll be a big time player. Running back would probably be high on that list, and I think linebacker is kind of high on that list too, just the way they play here. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I would say running backs at the top of the list now. I mean the. the they they can they can just point they can just point to the the names on the wall inside the last building like hey yeah they're all from Pennsylvania so why would you want to go anywhere else you can, your family can come see you play regardless of what our record is uh, regardless of whether or not we make it to the Big Ten title game we're going to develop you you're going to get a shot at the next level um, if you're a good Pennsylvania running back gotta go to Penn State Dustin you got it it's a no brainer. That's a that's a pretty good. Uh, they're going to record this at the Lash Building, and they're they're going to be playing. I won't even. Ch- I, I'll do it for free. I'll do a PSA on on running backs at Penn State if James wants me to. I'd be happy to. It's it's one thing for James Franklin and Jaywan Sider to say it, <laughs> but if Bob Flounders is saying it, you better listen. If that bag of wind is endorsing Penn State to play running back, then it's probably you probably want to go there. <laughs> Hey, one more item on the to-do list here for us. Yeah. Your 25 most intriguing. I, I like this series and, and following along with it. Um, I'll recap where we are so far. Chop Robinson at 25, Jalen Reed, uh, at 24, Kobe King at, at 23. The, the essence of the list are, are guys that, that just have a little bit of mystery yet to them, a little mystery to what their roles are and are worth following along closely as they go through training camp. Yeah, I mean, eventually, the closer we get to number one, they're going to be more established players. But every the, my idea is don't rank the, the the players that you think are the best. Rank the players that you think really their storyline this year is going to go a long, long way towards shaping the outcome of the season. Every player, even Penn State's best players, there are there's still key questions. I think that you could probably put next to their names. But I'm I'm always more intrigued on the guys that are, hey man, they could be really good this year. They might they're not necessarily guaranteed. They still have to prove it in August. They're they're going to like you know, you know, Reed, 
there's no guarantee that we're going to see a ton of him, but we could very well see a lot of him. But they feel pretty good about some other safeties on the roster not named Jair Brown, and he's going to have to really, really, really earn it. But I'm just intrigued by uh, an athlete that big who runs that well. And if he does carve out a role, what will it make? How will Manny Diaz use you know a safety that might be closer to 215 pounds by the time you know the season ends? Kobe King is 245. He's got the uh, probably the ideal body type and size to play middle linebacker. But we just talked about how much you know Penn State at certain positions values experience. And even though King's a second-year player, Tyler, Tyler Elsden technically might be a little bit ahead of him just because of familiarity. I don't know. The thing that Kobe has in his in his you know in his favor is they're both learning a new defense. You know, it's not like Brent Pry's defense where Kobe might have to do a little bit of a catch-up, but physically. You look at you look at Kobe King and you're like, why isn't this guy the starting middle linebacker? So we'll see how much of a battle it really is. And Chop Robinson, it's it's one of the great one of the great names in recent Penn State history for sure. But you know they also have Adis Isaac. You know they're going to play Tarburton a lot. Deny Dennis Sutton. I hope I said it right. He's just getting ready to practice too, and he might just be the goods and he, and might just force his way into Penn State's top four defensive end rotation. But I mean, Chop, you know, was a guy that a lot of schools wanted and he did some things in spurts last year for Maryland. So what, you know, now that he's able to practice, I mean, if you're Penn state, how do you approach that? You, you need to, you need to find out about him in August. So he could be a role player. He could be the first defensive end off the bench. You know, Nick Tarburton is, is not, has a, has a history of injuries. At least Isaac's coming off a significant injury. I think an Achilles injury. So it, it's, it's, he could also be a starter, you know, by the time, you know, week two rolls around or week three rolls around. So try and carve out or get a feel for the roles that these talented players are going to have at Penn State. You just don't know. And you're not going to know probably until the very end of August. That's usually when James starts to say who's really had a good camp. But I think the three players that, uh, to kick off the series are all guys that, they could be really good this year, or they could just be role players, or they could just be guys like they don't see the field, and they might not see the field till next year. So I'm intrigued about all three of those guys, and probably all three of them are not going to play significant roles, but they certainly have the talent to do it. So much drama and intrigue all playing out on PenLive.com over the next <laughs> few weeks. Yeah. So much drama. That'll be on Penn Live. Follow along there. Follow along with our Blue White Breakdown podcast. You can do that just about everywhere. Uh, Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Uh, check us check us out. PennLive.com slash Penn State Football. And we'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>